Well, good morning. It's a great joy to be here this morning. Uh, I do feel like one of the last times I was on this stage was when I walked across it in 2006, and it's an honor to be standing here preaching at the J. Ellsworth Callis uh, pulpit. He was my preaching professor when I was here as a student. There are a couple things that stand out to me as I prepare to preach this morning uh, that Dr. Callis said, and, and let me uh, give greetings, by the way, to my esteemed colleagues on the Board of Trustees, to the faculty, to the staff, President Tennant and Julie, and uh, to the students that are here. It is a joy to be here. Dr. Callis said that when it comes to preaching, he made us preach without notes, but the way he described it is he said, have your love affair with your notes the night before. <laughs> I'll never forget those words. He said, because if you are tied to your notes, he said, don't memorize it, but if you're tied to your notes, you can never be as natural as you would be otherwise when you preach. Well, I have to tell you, I've been a little busy. I had an inductive Bible study assignment to turn in last night by midnight for the doctoral program. We've had a busy board meeting. I do have some notes up here, <laughs> but I'll try to make sure you get authentic Kyle. The second thing he said is that, he said the, the scripture text should guide the title of the sermon. He said it shouldn't be the other way around where you get a cool title and then you try and bend scripture to match it. But he said every now and then God gives you the title first. He described a time of being overseas in a marketplace where someone tried to sell him a genuine imitation Rolex. <laughs> he said he played around with that phrase in his mind and he thought, but that's what we're called to be as followers of Jesus, a genuine imitation of Christ, and that shaped a sermon that he delivered at some point. The title of the sermon that I'm going to deliver today, Let God Handle the Bear, I will tell you that the title came and the text came shortly afterwards. And David, you did an awesome job of reading that text. That's another thing that Dr. Callis was particular about, reading the text with passion. So thank you for doing that. I'd like to pray and I'll dive in. God, thank you for the opportunity to preach I've sat in these pews, Lord, and I have seen you move mightily in this place. So, Lord, would you move mightily once again in me, through me, through us, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Here's how it began. About a month ago, my wife and I were preparing to head to a marriage retreat. That's what I thought it was. It was a marriage retreat, and the day before we were set to leave for this week-long retreat in this picturesque setting in Destin, Florida, a couple at church asked us about what we were expecting from the retreat. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen before, but as I was describing to them this marriage retreat, my wife interrupted me. If you've been married and ever had your spouse interrupt you, uh, there are a variety of responses, but she interrupted me and said, it's not a marriage retreat, it's a soul care retreat. And I didn't roll my eyes physically. <laughs> and I didn't say these words out loud, but in my head, I thought, how does she know? Like, for weeks leading up to it, I've been talking about it as a, as a marriage retreat. And so when she said, it's not a marriage retreat, it's a soul care retreat, I thought, how does she know that? And the answer was pretty easy. She had actually been reading the emails <laughs> from the facilitators about the retreat. So I just rolled with it because I'm an experienced husband. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so her, her conclusion was confirmed later in the day when she said to me, hey, Kyle, they are having appointments where you can meet with a spiritual director during the retreat. You can sign up for a 50-minute one-on-one slot. But she said, what is a spiritual director? I, I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is? And I said, oh, yeah, I know 
what a spiritual director appointment is. I did one of those at Asbury one time through the alumni renewal retreat. I came back on sabbatical and I sat with the spiritual director. I said, here's how it is. You sit with someone. You can talk to them about whatever you want to talk to them about. And they'll listen for a while. And then they'll interject gently and they'll say, well, what do you think Jesus has to say about that? I said, so at the core of it, you're talking a lot. And then they're trying to get you to listen to what Jesus has to say. That's spiritual direction. How do you like my summary as a, as, from, a, from a layperson's perspective? So I said, you should sign up and sign me up too. And so on day two of the retreat, we were there. And before my spiritual director appointment, in the morning session that was being facilitated, we were being asked this question in silence. The, the question to reflect on in silence was, what do you really want from God right now? And so I had a thought and I, I wrote it down in, in my journal here. But then the question after that was, but what's underneath that desire? I'm like, well, I thought I just answered that, but let me dig deeper. And five questions later, like, what's underneath that desire? What's underneath that desire? What's underneath that desire? I, I wrote down some words, and, and I'm going to share with you what I wrote down. I wrote down that I just desire to be in relationship with God in such a way that I know God loves me so much that he wants, wants to guide me in every situation. No sooner than I had reflected on that, I had a vision. I'm not one that has visions. I, I think we're okay here at Asbury to say that the Holy Spirit sometimes speaks in unique ways. God normally does not speak to me through visions. I had a very vivid vision that shaped the direction of this sermon. And I'll tell you about it more in a moment. Let me talk about David first. David, we read about him in 1 Samuel 17, 32. David kind of just shows up on the scene in 1 Samuel 16. He shows up because he's going to be anointed to be Israel's next king. We know some things about David from the scriptures. We know that he was glowing with health. He had a fine appearance and handsome features. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David when Samuel anointed him. He was a musician who knew how to play the lyre. He was brave. He was a warrior. He spoke well. The Lord was with him. All of these are things that the Bible tells us about David. And we're told he was an armor bearer for Saul, and he was young. When, when I think of that description of David, I actually, for a moment, I, I pause and I think, what, what might he have looked like? And I want to show you a picture. It's a, it's a family picture. Um, actually, it's two pictures. One is a picture of me and Petra and our two sons, Malik and Matthew. Just to orient you, Matthew's our 23-year-old. He's standing next to me, the one that's taller than me. And Malik is standing next to my wife, Petra. He's 25. And I had to put a bonus picture in there of our 11-year-old because the picture with our sons was taken last week in Michigan. We were in Michigan. We live in Texas. They're 17 hours drive apart. And we couldn't pull our 11-year-old out of school because in Texas, they take missing school very seriously. And so I left her there with friends, but she would feel left out if I didn't show you a picture of 11-year-old Mimi. And no, she does not have me wrapped around her finger. And no, she's not spoiled. She's just the beneficiary of years of parental wisdom. There you go. <laughs> I look at these young men, Malik and Matthew, and I think they're strong, they're, they're brave, they're, they're handsome. But this picture 
is one that I literally would not have been able to take a month ago. You, you wouldn't be able to see that picture. We went on the soul care retreat about a month ago today. And I know some of you are wondering, where is this sermon going? Dr. Callis would be disappointed. You've talked about a soul care retreat and your son's picture. And are you going to get the scripture? Yes, just bear with me here. Verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17 says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. I want you to notice the confidence that David has. Maybe every time you read this text, it jumps out at you that this young man would hear of this giant that has for 40 days been threatening the armies of God. And, and instead of being intimidated like the armies were, David, young man, brave, strong warrior, shows up, and he actually tries to instill confidence in others. Let no one lose heart. Your servant will go and fight him. And the reaction from Saul is not surprising. Saul says, you can't do that. He's saying that the odds are overwhelming. The circumstances are overwhelming. And, and if you're writing down notes, some of you are. I know that there's some young people in the house today because schools are closed for the election. And your parents might have said, you better take some notes in chapel. You might want to write this down. <laughs> walk confidently in the face of overwhelming circumstances. We can walk confidently in the face of overwhelming circumstances when we understand who is with us and who is leading us. I want to tell you about that vision I had no sooner than I had said at the soul care retreat that I just want God to lead me in every step that I take. The vision that I had was I was in that house in Destin, Florida. I was in one of the rooms. The door was shut and it was me and God. And I knew God loved me and I felt safe. And in this vision, I opened the door to go out into the hallway. And as soon as I opened the door, I saw like this gigantic grizzly bear running at me, snarling, teeth bared. And actually in my spirit, I felt afraid. And it was a, it was a weird feeling because I, I typically don't find myself afraid of anything. Or maybe that big raccoon last night walking from the Beeson Inn to William's house. But... I remembered I was preaching a sermon about David today, so I'm like, I'm not afraid of you, you <laughs> big old raccoon that ducked away in the shrubs and was probably stalking me. Um, but generally, I don't feel feelings of fear, but in this moment, I felt this fear, and I didn't know how to explain it. And so later that day, I, um, I was reflecting in my journal, and, and this is still before I met with the spiritual director, and here's what I, worked, what I wrote. I said, at some point, I'm going to have to deal with that image that came to mind during that exercise. I said, what was disturbing was the image of the grizzly bear. What in the world was that all about? You're getting a window into how I journal. I said, that thing looked scary. And what was weird was feeling like I was running back to a safe room with God. That's what I did. I ran back in the room and I shut the door. And here's what I wrote, because this is the first scripture that came to mind. You might think that if I had a vision of a bear, that the first scripture that would come to mind would be that passage in, what is it, 2 Kings 2, where Elisha is walking and they say, get out of here, Baldy, those two young men, you know this text, Baldhead, and, and he turned around, he looked at them, and he called down a curse in the name of the Lord, and two bears came out of the wood and woods and mauled 42 of the boys. That's not the first scripture that came to mind. 
Um, but if you want to make fun of my bald head, be mindful of 2 Kings 2. I wrote these words, and they're actually on the screen. I wrote 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 36. Your servant, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Wow, I wrote. What is the bear? Why am I turning and running? Can I just have you reflect for a moment? What's that bear in your life? And if you'll allow me some license with the text, you might say, why don't you title the sermon, Let God Handle the Lion, or Let God Handle Goliath. Can the bear just represent Goliath and the lion? What, what's the What's the bear in your life? I went to my meeting with the spiritual director, and I began to talk about some things going on in our lives. A month ago, as I sat there at that retreat, I knew some things were coming up that were on the horizon. I knew that our oldest son, Malik, was sitting in prison. He had been in prison in Michigan for nearly four years, and I knew that he had a release date of October 31st. And what I was wrestling with was, God, what are you calling us to do? We knew we were going to travel to Michigan to be with Malik, to walk, walk with him as he walked out of the prison. We, we knew that he had nothing. All he had was the clothes that he had when he went into prison, and he's grown quite a bit over the last four years. You might not realize this, but many people exercise quite a bit in prison. He's a lot bigger than he was when he first went in. We, we knew that from a housing perspective, we had some arrangements worked out. You've got to understand our, our boys were adopted. They came to us when, we were eight, when they were 8 and 10 years old. Now they're 23 and 25, and parole would prefer that he live with a family member. We live in Texas, but his birth mom lives in Michigan. And that was the plan, for him to go live with his birth mom. And in between the time he would walk out of the prison... And the time we would drop him off three days later at his birth mom's, there were so many unknowns. God, what do you want us to do? How do we help him get settled? The other thing that was going on was our 11-year-old Mimi has lived with us since she was four years old. But she's not adopted. We're her legal guardians. And this year we started the adoption process. And this year, a potential biological father has emerged and requested a paternity test. And as I'm sitting there at the soul care retreat, I know that the court in Collin County, Texas, is in the process of ordering a paternity test. And if it turns out that he's the father, he has already stated that he would fight this adoption. These stories are long and complicated. There's more to the backstory. But I'm sitting there describing this to the spiritual director, and at some point she, she interjects and she says, hey, have you thought that maybe that grizzly bear represents all of the things that are coming at you? The other thing I mentioned to her was that my wife's mother is going through dementia, and my wife's father, my father-in-law is her caregiver in Michigan, and he's going through cancer. And she just, the spiritual director gently said, perhaps the bear it's all of those things coming at you. 
I said, well, that could be the case. She said, why do you think you're afraid? I said, because I want to be like David. I want to walk courageously in the face of these fearful situations, but my, the vision I had just stirred something in me. I don't know how to explain it. And I felt like I had to run back in the room to God. And she said, can I ask you a question? She said, does it matter where God was in the vision? I said, what do you mean? She said, where'd you picture him? I said, well, I, I pictured him behind me, and that's why I ran back in the room and shut the door. But you kind of got a good point, Miss Spiritual Director. <laughs> I suppose that as long as God is in the house, then everything would be all right. She said, what would you like God to do if the bear represents everything coming at you? I said, I would love to be able to turn to God and ask God, God, can you handle this bear? And then, you know why spiritual directors get paid the big bucks? <laughs> she said, have you asked him? Oh, man. Are you talking about some tears that started flowing? Some weeping and some asking God. God, will you handle the bear? Friends, I don't know if you've had a chance to think about what the bear is in your life. I do know that David said, look, I'm not worried about Goliath. When I was tending the sheep and a lion or a bear came, I would chase after it. I would strike it. I would rescue the sheep from his mouth. And if it had the audacity to turn on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. And I've done both the lion and the bear that way. And this Philistine is going down the same way. What is the bear in your life? Maybe the bear in your life is financial uncertainty. Maybe the bear in your life is a health issue. Can I encourage you this morning to let God handle the bear? Maybe the bear in your life is a wayward child. Can I encourage you to let God handle the bear? Maybe the bear in your life is an aging parent whose health is in decline. Maybe the bear in your life is some circumstances at work that you can't control. Whatever it is that sparks fear in you that seems overwhelming, can I invite you to just let God handle the bear? You know, we prayed and prayed and wondered about all that was going to go down. And last week, we traveled up to Michigan. There came that point where we sat in the prison lobby waiting, waiting, waiting. And then at some point, Malik came rounding the corner with a trash bag of stuff in one hand, some of the books that people had sent to him with the prison beiges on, the uniform and some prison shoes, and a big smile on his face because that's just how Malik rolls. He is a optimistic young man. And we said, Malik, you want to go get some breakfast? You want, what do you want to do? He said, can we just get out of here? Like he was just <laughs> happy to be free on the other side. And friends, let me tell you, last week, God provided all sorts of favor and answers to prayer. First stop, parole office. Second stop, secretary of state, where the parking lot was empty and the lady behind the counter was kind. And I'm just saying, that in itself was a blessing. That, that's the place you go to get your license. He got his license back, passed the written test, the road test, social security card in the mail, his health care benefits coming, his, his uh, uh, what do you call it, his, his uh, bank account card coming, employment being worked out. He's, and, and so all of these things, it felt like 72 hours of just run, 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 drive, 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 go, 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 but God's hand was all over it because we chose to let God handle the bear. And at the end of the day, there came this point where we're going to have to drop him off at his birth mom's place. David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. When we pulled up 
to his birth mom's place. There's all sorts of emotions. Because uh, this is the place where they were removed years ago to go into foster care. But he's never lived with his birth mom. She, she wasn't there. She was out having difficulties in life. She's been clean now for years, and they were being raised by their great aunt. And so now they're back on the property where he was removed. And we exchanged pleasantries with his birth mom and his sister and all these things. But uh, ultimately, at some point, we had to leave. It was a long, quiet 70-minute drive back, 70-minute drive back to our hotel. And it felt like, what have we just done? But we know that Malik is in good hands, and we know that God is walking with him. And we know that the Lord is with us. The reason we know that is because we have a track record with God. David had a track record with God. The lion, the bear, and Goliath was about to be next. And no, I'm not going to answer the question in this sermon as to why David picked up five stones instead of just one. Y'all can have debates about that. That's a different sermon for a different day. But he walked boldly into battle where he knew he would need the presence of God. When I say we have a track record with God, um, I remember sitting here as a seminary student. And we had been married four years when I started, seven years by the time I was done, and we were praying for children. We were in the midst of an infertility battle. We didn't call it that. We didn't realize that's what we were in the midst of, but it wasn't God's plan for us to have biological children, but who knew that we would get to care for vulnerable children in the world, and it has changed everything in our lives. God has been faithful. When my wife went through cancer in 2010 and 2011, and now she's been cancer-free for 12 years, we've seen the hand of God's favor on our lives. This is not our first rodeo with God. God has been with us handling bears throughout our marriage, throughout our lives. And so this new wrench in Mimi's adoption story, we're going to let God handle the bear. Last Friday, after we had left Malik, Friday morning, we got paternity test results, 100%. That's her birth dad. We don't know what that means for the adoption, but guess what? We're going to let God handle the bear. Why am I telling you? Because I live in the real world like you do, and there are bears that are pursuing you, but we got to let God handle the bear. There are things that we can't control. I can't control my mother-in-law's dementia. I can't control the choices that Malik makes now that he's free. I can't control what a judge is going to say about the adoption journey. But what I can control is whether or not I will trust in the Lord, even when the bears seem like they're coming. And I'll just turn to God and I'll say, God, can you handle this bear? You know, it was funny. On the day I met with the spiritual director, I left that place, and the next day was a silent retreat. We were supposed to just be silent all day. You can go wherever you want, but be silent. I chose to do a mobile order and go to Starbucks and sit silently. <laughs> and while I was sitting there, I thought, man, haven't I seen, like, an image of a bear charging at, like, the glass in a zoo? Like, I Googled it and looked it up, and I found this video of a, a bear that had charged a glass at the zoo but unfortunately, that bear grabbed a rock and cracked the glass. I was like, whoa, wait, that, that is not the video I was looking for. Thankfully, it didn't break all the way through. But then I thought, I thought I've recently seen an Instagram video or something where a photographer in Canada was with a group of people taking photos of bears. And I looked it up, and there was indeed this video. And this bear came charging the photographer. You know what the photographer did? He raised his arms, and he went, ah, ah, ah. 
And the bear turned and ran. <laughs> and the, the post on the Instagram video was, never run from a charging grizzly bear because the first charge is generally just a bluff. Some of you today, you've been running from some bears. And I need you to know, it's just the enemy bluffing. I'm not saying that you aren't going through a fearful situation. I'm not saying that the circumstances don't seem overwhelming, but I am telling you, it's a good idea to let God handle the bear. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the reminder from your word today that we can walk confidently, that we can walk courageously, and Lord, we can walk boldly into battle, inviting you to handle the bears in our lives. God, there are things that we can't control, things that are unknowns to us, things that seem overwhelming. But thanks be to God that you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You're the same God that will give us victory. So we seek your help, O oh God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.